Hi everyone, this is Victoria. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. It was recorded back in July when I was in Berlin traveling for Tech Open Air, a really cool tech conference. This is today's show. People like change when they drive change. People hate change when other people change the way their life works. So I don't think there's a person in the world where this doesn't apply. This is Philip Mooring. For the last three years, he has been running all things Europe at AngelList. AngelList is the tech community's favorite website, a place where startups can raise money, investors can find great companies, and talented people can find startup jobs from all around the world. I met Philip five years ago when he was principal at SeedCamp, one of Europe's best known seed investment funds. This time, we meet in Berlin where I'm attending Tech Open Air, a great tech conference taking place every year in Europe's new favorite destination, Berlin. So Philip and I talk about work and life in Berlin in comparison to London, designing a healthy lifestyle, and our community's shared responsibility when it comes to reducing the cases of harassment in tech. I'm Victoria Stianova, and this is The Work We Do about people redefining the meaning and purpose of work. Um, So Phil, I always start by asking people what their current state of mind is. My current state of mind? Well, it's been a pretty busy week, so my state of mind is a bit uh, antsy, so I need to do this and that and, you know, get shit done before the weekend, but... Or is that too specific? No, <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> so you're in a productive state of mind? Um, not really, because I'm usually productive when I'm relaxed, much right. more than when I'm sort of stressed out. Um, it used to be I would work much faster, obviously, being stressed out. Yeah. But then I realized I'd just do the wrong things. Um, just do as many things as possible rather than, you know, deciding in the morning, this is what I'm doing today. This is how my priorities look like. And then just, you know, doing the right things first. And uh, when I'm stressed, I'm just behind on everything. So where I feel someone else is like most angry at me, I reply first. And that's right. not really, that's <laughs> not really the right way of doing things. So, yeah. I know that feeling. I'm like, okay, fine, fine. I'm excited. Exactly. So my job is sort of half replying to people with stuff and doing something for them. Uh, and half is sort of me doing in-depth work, either researching or um, preparing something, planning something. And um, that's the work I want to spend more time on. And I want to spend less time on other people's ideas of what I should be doing. Yeah. And in terms of your team distribution, do you have an office here? or? Uh, yeah, I have an office. I can't work from home. Uh, it's impossible for me. Uh, so mm-hmm. I did. I started working in this position with Angelist about three years ago. First, I, I was talking to your LinkedIn today just like that, and it yeah. says that you've been there for three years and seven months. Yeah, no, it's insane. Was it? yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is the same time that you were at Seedcamp for three years and seven months. Oh, wow. So I was like, oh, this is quite funny. <laughs> That's actually funny. Yeah. Um, so in the beginning, I worked from home because I didn't have an office. And um, it was okay for a while. But then it was also just after I moved here. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess in the beginning I wasn't like really used to this being home. So yeah, home yeah, office yeah. sort of worked and I thought, hey, this is great. Uh, then I spent some time at Shoreditch House, uh, sorry, sort of Soho House, which is a members club here, uh, where I could have meetings and I could go to the gym and sort of hang out. So it, in a, in a way, it improved the office feeling. Uh, but then after half a year, I realized it doesn't work. And then yeah. I basically got a small office, um, helped a few other people move in there so they could have a cheap office. It was really nice downtown in Berlin. Um, and it was basically my perfect office because it was like a little living room, art on the wall. It's like in the center, you could have all kinds of different um, cafe places around. You would have lunch somewhere else every day. So it was perfect. Nice. But then they jacked up, jacked up the rent by 50% after a year. Oh. So I had to move out. And um, Is that because of demand going up and loads of people yeah exactly so there's there's a lot of rent uh, control and rent protection for um for residential but not really for anything commercial so i'm right now i'm sharing office with a good friend of mine which works quite well uh and some friends of his who do something that is completely different from what i do which is Um, perfect yeah and it's super interesting they they sort of help celebrities market their personality rights so they Mm. get um, like apparel deals for young actors and stuff like that and um, they don't have any clue about technology and um, they, they won't even hate me for saying this because it's just true but I really have no idea how celebrities work or what yeah. they do or who they are so it's really fun sharing the office with them um, yeah long term I think I want to go back to having my own office that I can control because I really like playing music, mm-hmm. uh, doing small events, um, having a little bit more freedom to decorate and make it look not like an office. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I've been in many places where you're not allowed to do anything. Exactly. You're just not allowed yeah. to move a chair. It's like everything has to remain as it is. Yeah, I, I could never work in a co-working space. Okay, you've been here for three and a half years. I am... Pretty much charmed by Berlin this week, and I would love to hear for you what has that transition been like. Does it feel like everyone is just invading Berlin from all across Europe, or is it quite nice to have a more international feel? And how is the culture changing? Yeah, good question. I think so. When I moved here in two thousand December two thousand and thirteen, it was already like pretty hot to move to Berlin so a lot of my friends already had moved here Uh, a lot of people from all over Germany started moving here I guess sort of 2007-8-9 that was a big influx and actually my wife and then girlfriend at the time um, she lived in Berlin in 2007 Uh, so I had spent some time here the difference was really strong so the difference from 2007 to 2013 was very strong it's like a lot more international people um, a lot more, like the downtown was a lot more developed, there were, the living situation was a lot more expensive, still cheap in comparison, but in, you know, so comparison from 2007 to 13, uh, there was probably, you would pay 30 or 40% more rent in the nice neighborhoods. Um, and um, yeah, that is still probably half of what you pay in most other European uh, yeah. capitals. So it's fine, uh, but that was a big change. But then from 2013 to now, uh, you can definitely tell that 
a lot more international people are coming here, a lot more um, Americans, a lot more um, Australians, and mm. uh, uh, yeah. So it's just, I think it's just a fascinating city to live in. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it's so big, it's three and a half million. Um, actually, this influx doesn't change the city by that got much. Got it. Got it. So, are people receiving this in quite a positive way and excited about what it brings, or not really? Not really. I mean, people like the people from Berlin don't really like it because okay. it always used to be super cheap. There used to be all the space you wanted. Uh, it was never a problem to get you know a new apartment at a decent price or. Uh, sublet something from a friend. This is now a lot more difficult. Um, same with office space. I guess until 2012, you could easily find like a relatively large startup office in a very central location for almost no money. Uh, that's definitely over today. Um, and I think you know that the fact that Berlin for 60 years was sort of cut off from the outside, and nobody really yeah. wanted to move to Berlin and unless they had to or unless they really wanted to have that that feeling of being isolated. Um, I think th- that change just brought a lot of change to sort of, let's say, native Berliners. Um, everybody else, you know, people who work in startups here who are, I guess, creative class or mm-hmm. something like that, they love that people are coming here. They love that people are, you know, things are well, changing. Well, because it just brings more... Diversity in terms of what creativity means. I have a pianist friend who's from Australia and he moved here two months ago and staying for two years yeah. because he got a visa here and he's so excited. Yeah, I think there's so much to be excited about in this city. So this sounded maybe a little bit negative. Um, the fact is usually people, people like change when they drive change. Exactly. People hate change when other people change the way their life works. So... Uh, and that is, you know, that doesn't, that, I don't think there's a person in the world where this doesn't apply. So even people who are like, hey, I love change and, you know, change is good and positive. If, it's, as if, long if, as you're participating, exactly. as long as it, it means that your life gets more exciting, exactly. then you like it. Yeah. That's true. Um, to pick up on that thought, a lot of people who move here, um, a lot of people who come here for the first time or who haven't been here in a while, Usually what they first see in Berlin is wide open streets. The streets are very wide. Uh, if the sun is shining, it's just beautiful. People are outside. Um, there's almost no stress. So mm. if you walk through downtown Berlin, you just kind of meander and you know look around. Or like, you know, you're, you're just walking. If you walk through downtown London, basically... Like if you go to bank or yeah. Old Street anywhere, yeah. like if you walk, you know, a couple of hundred meters there, like ten people will overtake you, and you know everybody looks exact, like looks ahead where they're going. Nobody looks, you know, up in the sky or at the buildings or anywhere. It's really stressful. Just the way people walk is very different, uh, and that I think makes people relaxed. Uh, here in the areas where you would walk around, where you would have your office, there usually are like some tourists, there's some, like, there's a lot of young parents, mm. lots of kids outside. So everything becomes a lot more relaxed. Um, and that I think has a big impact on people's mood. That, and that's why I think people who come here like it because, you know, it's like a little bit more somber and then, you know, you can... Yeah, but also people take their time and there's this uh, different pace where people want to explain their point of view. They want to have 
a long conversation. <laughs> I think it, it impacts a lot of other things. If, yeah. if you're feeling quite relaxed and, um, you know, explorative about what's around you, then that also yeah. is conveyed in how you behave. I don't know. Just I mean, obviously, I, I've only spent very little amount of time here and now I've been here for like five days. But everyone I've interacted with in the streets, in the shops, in galleries, people are just, hey, like, let me tell you a story. Yeah. Here's what it's so But cool. you have to, what you have to remember is probably none of these people grew up in Berlin. Yeah. So you probably talk to like three or four people who actually grew up in Berlin and are from here. Um, and so that is actually, you know, that is people who are here and who are from somewhere else and who moved to Berlin with the purpose of, you know, Making finding something. something cool, doing something new, um, you know, being around new people, they're excited. Yeah. Uh, there is actually, there are, you know, there's this German stereotype of the grumpy Berliner who would, you know, scoff at you very easily and just, you know, be... Sounds like the grumpy sort of, Parisian, I think that... Totally, <laughs> totally. And, and be, you know, be rude and be like, ah, oh, whatever, man. Um, I don't really see that in everyday life, but if you go to other parts of the city where, you mm -hmm. know, you might, you might see more of that. But I think it, Berlin's big enough, you don't need to go there. It's like, why would you go so to where you, the angry people are? Yeah, true. So for you, is it, is it a place to be right now in terms of where, where you're at in your, in your life and your career? Uh, yeah, for my life and career, definitely. I mean, um, just, so picking a city for me was mostly about life and much less about work because I'm, a one-person operation for Angelist in Europe or like in central, like continental Europe. Um, and it was just easy to go to Berlin because Berlin is easy to live. It's affordable. You can have a very nice place. You um, have a quality of life that is uncomparable with most big Absolutely, cities. yeah. Um, you know, there's interesting restaurants and, you know, there's a lot of stuff for going out you know obviously there's a lot of partying I, I haven't been to a proper club in three years I think but um, it's just it is there and you can mm. go and the biggest difference for me every time I go to London I go to London every couple of weeks so you know, I, st I still remember why I wanted to move to Berlin because every time I want to go for dinner I need to call I need to book you know, you're more than in two London, people, yeah. okay, get in line. Mm. Here, you go to a restaurant with like six people, eight people, and you're like, we want to have pizza. Okay, cool, sit over there. There's space, you know, it's, it's, yeah. that, that makes it a lot it's easier. It's a luxury. It's, it's real luxury. <laughs> it shouldn't be. But strategically right? for AngelList, is it the right spot to have access to the rest of Europe? Yes. Co in comparison to London, for example? Um, so London is very... Um, inward looking, not as a negative trait because people are not interested in the outside, but because so much is going on there. Yeah. That's why I'm still in London every other yeah, week. Yeah, okay. Um, that's why my colleague is in London and that's where, you know, a lot of the money gets invested, etc. But to cover the rest of Europe, Berlin is definitely the best place. You know, you can go to the Nordics where some stuff is going on, but again, they're probably more likely to travel here or travel to London mm -hmm. uh, for fundraising. And so maybe that's a good rhythm to have a to have a base somewhere where it's a little bit more relaxed and a bit more better yeah. life. And uh, then th I mean, for me, that was it. You know, uh, it was <clears throat> I'm I need some sort of rhythm to you know keep like a not a hectic pace, but to keep pace and keep doing stuff and keep pushing myself. Yeah, we'll but I have that. 
inside the team. Mm. So I don't need that from the outside. Um, and it's more like if I'm at, in the office, if I'm at my computer, I have this drive and this push through my team to get shit done. But then when I shut down the computer, I can walk outside and be relatively relaxed. I love this. So, so do you feel like you've kind of made it in life? Like you have a wonderful home, you have a, you know, you have a stable, like romantic life. Yeah. Uh, you're doing pretty much a dream job, like heading up Indolist for Europe and You know, you know what happened with Product Hunts. You know, you know, I, I know you're at the initiation of a lot of really awesome things that are happening around the company. It's more, have I made it in life? I don't know, I don't think so, because had I, I the feeling for me is sort of having made it in life is when for the rest of your foreseeable future, you can just do whatever you want. Right. And I don't see myself there. So I, I see like there's easily another five to 10 years of like hardcore hustling and working really, really hard before I can sort of, um, how do you say that? Before I can um, harvest what I'm sowing right now. Okay. Especially because investing is such a long-term game. And I don't know if I'm successful at the moment because mm -hmm. I will only know in 10 years when the companies that I'm investing in, that I'm working with are successful. And they might all, you know, go bust and <clears throat> go out of business and, and none of them makes money. Then I wouldn't have made it. Yeah. If right now, you know, they're going swimmingly and they make a lot of money, sure, then I've sort of made it, I guess. But um, this is the really weird nature about the business. It's a, you know, venture capitalist sort of glamorous it's certainly glamorous in the like founder entrepreneurship yeah. startup ecosystem um but you don't really have short-term wins the only or you don't have medium-term wins you only have short-term and long-term wins so short-term is like you find a great company you get to invest in the company um <clears throat> you know you can work with amazing people you win a deal maybe over a competing firm or something like that that's like relatively short term mm -hmm. um, but then for a long time it's just work right and you know there's it's a little bit like the saying about buying a boat there's like two days where you're happy the, the two days where boat owner is happy mm -hmm. the day he buys the boat and the day he sells the boat right. and you know you could probably say the same is like the first day is the best day and then for a long time there's like just not a lot where you can have an impact as an investor Or it's just really hard work, and then you know when you sell the company, um, and and you know you, th there is an exit, and you know, maybe an IPO or a trade sale or whatever, then you are successful in mm. that particular investment, um, and you know of course you know the journey is the goal and yada yada. No, but, but you're also at the epicenter of everything oh, all I the conversations all I the information love it, right i love being in this place and i love being in this industry because yeah the people are amazing they're everyone's smart everyone's working really hard um you know the people are ambitious uh, you can learn every day from other entrepreneurs from other investors from people around you um so in that way i'm probably one of the happiest people in my job um <clears throat> but at the end of the year, I don't know if I was successful this year. Mm -hmm. That comes in like five years, seven years. 
Yeah, um, but I feel like you're a bit of a long-term planner in terms of if you look at your career progression. I I don't know if it has been a a strategic plan to say okay three years here is a good time it gives X Y Z this is what I learn and then the next three years this is what I'm focusing on is is there some sort of plan like that that you make in your career or is it not happening not really I mean I'm just trying to do the things that I think are most interesting at the moment mm-hmm. um, so I did this talk to some alumni from my university uh, where I, I started with, hey, so I work at AngelList and before that I was at Seedcamp and before that I was at this other fund and this other fund and that's what I studied and that's what I did in high school. Um, if you tell the story that way, sort mm-hmm. of backwards, backwards, it sounds and it looks just like an incredible plan. Yeah, it's a jobs quote, right? It only makes sense when you're looking backwards. Exactly, yeah. but then when I go and look at what I did in high school, I had absolutely no idea about business. Right. I was sort of a nerd, but I wasn't like programming or like doing really like hacking computers or building websites or anything like that. Um, you were not one of those kids. <laughs> the, yeah. The, I, I mean, I, I was, can tell by your social skills. Yeah. <laughs> you no, no, no. Like, no but, you know, I don't think it has anything to do with social skills. It's more like, you know, you could you could be an, a nerd and like sort of automatically inclined to work in this industry as an entrepreneur or whatever, do stuff and build stuff. I did that in in other ways and I ended up in my first proper job because of um, uh, a guy that I had worked with on one business as like like university project consultant. And he's like, oh, cool, I like you. You should come and work with this other company. You seem to understand this. And then work at this other company. And then I understood that he was what was called an angel investor. <laughs> right. But I wasn't like, I need to work in startups or anything like that. And then my first VC gig, I basically got by chance because someone didn't believe what I was doing. And I, I was writing this research about small business, uh, small businesses and I needed a bigger data set. So I called up a bunch of VCs and asked for their data. Literally, that's it. There's like no plan to get a job in VC, whatever. I was still thinking I would probably join like a large tech company or work at Google or something like that. And then one of them said, well, yeah, you can have the data, but you need to work for us. And that's how I got into the industry. And then again, the guy there liked me. He started a new firm, took me along. And then I, I think sort of after that first job, I really started more strategically thinking, okay, what do I think in this industry is most interesting for me personally from a learning point of view and from a experimental point of view. So what are the edges that you can go to and figure shit out? So Mm -hmm. it was either go super hard on investing a lot of money, um, very traditional VC, but I didn't like most of the people there. And it's not like I didn't like them. There were people that where I thought, okay, I wouldn't have as much fun. And then I looked at the other end, which is go as early as possible. We work with you know as many super early startups with people from all over the place. And I was super excited by what Seacamp was doing. Uh, so and then I was lucky enough to be able to join them. Um, and then again, at, when I was at Seacamp after a few years. Um, I would have had to stay another five years to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, you know, in that way, I guess it was a, a long-term thing, a, a long-term approach to thinking is like, do I want to stay here for five years 
or do I want to go somewhere else for the next five years? Because I really didn't want to go anywhere for two years. Right. right so I decided right. I don't want to go anywhere for two years, like do a gig and then do something else. Um, and yeah, so Angelist came along. That was lucky that I knew Naval and that I knew Ash, who at the time worked at Angelist. Um, Would you say that there is one core skill that you're aware that you have that has been a threat for these years? Um, I, I mean, in the broadest sense, I would say people. So connecting with people and making sure the right people connect. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm most helpful to entrepreneurs in people issues. So yeah. disputes between founders or founders and investors or between investors, whatever. Um, and it's really fluffy so it's not really a skill you can quantify no, so it's really not a skill you can sell very well unless other people see you work in that capacity uh, but that's fine i mean right now i work the people i work with at angelist and people i uh, work with on all the projects i'm uh, i'm on they appreciate that about me and actually my partner with angelist europe andy um, we're really good Uh, we work together really well because we, it's just super complementary what he's very good at and what I'm very good at. Um, and there's enough overlap also that we understand that we are good at these mm -hmm. things, uh, which I think is also extremely important. But I feel like it goes beyond um, being good with people. I think there's a certain, I don't know, like kindness and empathy that you really embody in like so many ways. Yeah, but I, that to me is the thing right i think if you understand people uh, and you understand people's emotions then first of all you need to be empathetic to do that but then also because you understand their emotions you implicitly understand the reasoning for their actions yeah and therefore you wouldn't you be un unkind it's my thinking i mean i was brought up to be nice to people and to talk to people and listen and you know solve problems and not um, escalate and fight and you know, uh, be against each other. Uh, so I think that those two things come together where when you try to understand why someone is angry or why someone is acting adversely to what you're trying to achieve, then it's very easy to be nice because being nice and showing them that you understand actually will get them closer to you know, changing their mind or accepting Uh, maybe uh, a compromise. Yeah, I do. I do appreciate it. That is something um, that is shown. I mean, people who know you know that about you, but also people who don't know you, like your Twitter bio is just so nice. <laughs> You're saying as honest as I can, as humble as I must, as carefree as I should. Yeah. Uh, so I, I changed it relatively recently because it had some like job description of myself on there and I hated that. Yeah. Um, so i don't like bragging so that's I why know i say you don't. I'm, yeah. i'm humble but you know saying i'm humble is sort of bragging um which is i'm fine with that because i'm you know I'm as carefree as i must because i think you know there are a lot of things where we just shouldn't get up in arms about and you, there are things we need to let go in order to be able to have sort of a zen life right you can't be upset about everything that sh that is upsetting. Mm -hmm. So like a very concrete point, after the US election, um, I was, 
I was on Twitter all the time just reading about like the next stupid thing that Donald Trump said and whatnot. And same with Brexit because I lived in the UK and I'm in favor of a strong Europe. And then after Brexit, I, I just thought the word was coming down. And then I realized, well, I can't do anything about it yeah. in, the, in, like, in the larger sense. I, as much as I might feel, for example, that you know, uh, terrible healthcare in the US is a huge problem, Mm-hmm. I don't live in the US. I don't have terrible healthcare. So I shouldn't get up in arms about something that I can't change and that doesn't touch me. And so I'm just trying to be as carefree about those types of things. Yeah, I guess just being aware of what you can do and what you can't. Exactly. It's that. And then also, you know, things where you know, someone honks at you in a car. You can, you, like, a lot of people get really angry driving. That's why I don't drive. <laughs> Like, whatever, you know, it doesn't... Yeah, of course, yeah, it's, life happens and you have a responsibility for... And, you know, and the the third part to it, I think, you know, besides what what impacts you and what can you change, the third part is, you know, try staying young, like, try staying carefree like a kid because you're going to have more fun. Yeah. Right, if you... If you're constantly worrying, if you constantly, you know, think about money or you think about, you know, all the problems of you being potentially being sick or this happening, um, you won't enjoy it. You like you won't enjoy the good things that you have. And I think, you know, when you see kids running around being stupid and saying like bad things to other people because they don't know better, Mm. it's funny because they don't know. And so sometimes if you just act like you don't know and then you can just enjoy just the existence of, you know, awkward moments or you can enjoy the existence. Like, you can just be light just, in life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Certain lightness. I just really appreciate it because in a, a hundreds word bio, you, you can, you're saying honest and humble. And then on your website, you say, I take care of everything Europe, but angelless. And I'm like, this is so nice. Just... For someone who likes words, these things um, resonate with me, especially in a time now where the last few weeks have been quite um, upsetting when it comes to men in the industry and behaviors of mm-hmm. people we know, you know, not to like name people, but it was a bit, um, it was a bit painful because reading this as a woman, I was just nodding along being like, yeah, of course, this is this is not a new story yeah. and we all know about it and we've all witnessed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really appreciate this, your usage of being yourself and being humble and honest and, and caring in a world that is very masculine and celebrates a very um, like more brutal masculinity and then all, all these things we hear about. So Yeah, yeah I, th- I, was, I was shocked by some things that some people did I wasn't so shocked by some people that other people did not because I didn't think they did the wrong thing but because I was expecting not expecting it of them but it wasn't a surprise with other people it was a surprise and I was deeply disappointed Um, but again you know what do you do with this you can't be carefree because it's very important that you know first of all our, our industry can't just be a bunch of hyper-masculine mm-hmm. guys trying to fight. I think that's not, you know, that's not how I, as an, that's, as an industry, that isn't how I got to know the industry a couple of years ago. It definitely has changed, I think, to be more aggressive and um, more forward. 
Um, it, but it's also just not going to be the best version of what the industry can be. Yeah. Um, and so I think th that's definitely something where you can change things, not easily, but if you change things around yourself or, you know, you, you um, press for some behaviors around yourself with people that you, for example, in my shoes, people I would like to invest with, invest in, um, you know, collaborate with, this just makes clear it's a good idea to pick the right people. Totally. Before it was a little bit more like, well, but you know, you're probably doing a worse job if you're not working with these people. Mm -hmm. Turns out if you avoid working with the wrong people, it, at one point, you know, it's like, it's karma. Like at one point it can come back. It doesn't have to, but it, you know. Yeah, I think, I think that's yeah. important. If you're able to influence your circle and and that can be really small for certain people and can be really broad for others but but if you live with that honor in mind and honoring your people and your environment i think we will be in a yeah. much better place what else i wanted to ask you uh, what are the three words that are resonating in your space right now oh it's very difficult <laughs> um definitely like if if i think about work it's definitely crypto is something that everybody's talking and thinking about because it is a new model of financing. It is a new model of building businesses. Like it basically touches the whole uh, the whole value chain of a startup front to back. Um, so that's one. I think the you know diversity, sexual harassment, you know, sort of the dark underbelly of the industry. That is something a lot of people are talking about at the moment, uh, which is good. It's like, bring it out in the open, talk about it, fix it, mm. move on. Um, and then what's the third? Um, yeah, I guess finding, so especially for Berlin, sort of finding success. Uh, you know, SoundCloud had huge layoffs last week. Yeah. Um, you know, Rocket, which is the biggest employer for sort of, engineers and startup people in Berlin isn't doing like that exceptionally well. Mm -hmm. um, so people, I think people realized a little bit, hey, this shit takes time and it's yeah. hard and you have to work for, you know, a long time and many years before you maybe have a payoff, you know, in terms of equity uh, and participation. So I think that hard, long work is sort of the third thing mm. that resonates at the moment. Thanks, Phil. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. In our next show, you'll be listening to Sarah Drinkwater, who is the head of Campus London, Google's place for startups in London. See you in a few weeks.